Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. From Capital Broadcasting Company and WRAL-FM, welcome to Wine and Dandy. I'm your host, Sarah King. And I'm your host, Jamie Caskey. And we're here to prove, yet again, that wine is fun. And we intend to prove it. Today's guest is someone who works in the heart of wine country. Her name is Melissa Stackhouse, and she has worked for some really big names in California wine. There's La Crema, Claude oh, yeah. de Bois, Jay Vineyards, Mayomi, just to name a few. And currently, she is the acting director of winemaking at Simi Wines. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you for having me, guys. Sure. You are, from everything that we have read... Kind of a badass when it comes to uh, women in wine. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your background. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I definitely took a little circuitous route to winemaking. I grew up in Lansing, Michigan, and didn't really know what I wanted to do for a very long time. It wasn't until I was 28 years old that I discovered that you could go to school to learn how to make wine. And I was living in Bellingham, Washington at the time. And very quickly moved to the Napa Valley and enrolled at UC Davis to study enology, which is winemaking and grape growing, which is viticulture, and apprenticed a lot throughout the Napa Valley prior to moving to Sonoma County to really focus for quite a long time on Pinot Noir, though now I make Pinot Noir and Cabernet as well. I hope this realization came to you while drinking a glass of wine. Was that the paint the picture? <laughs> well, yes, for sure. Because, like you know, there's a lot of R and D when it comes to understanding wine, so you have to enjoy the product. And it was really when, like, I got married, and we were we were cooking a lot, and then we were, you know, just buying wine to go with the meals that we were making. And that was really my introduction into wine. I didn't grow up in a family where we, we drank wine at all. I mean, the Midwest, like I drank a lot of milk. <laughs> and, um, Maybe some beers. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. So it just really sparked an interest in me. And I was on Lopez Island, which is one of the San Juan Islands, at a, you know, tasting wine, um, in a tasting room, and that's where I discovered that you could go to school um, because a person who was pouring wine there had gone to UC Davis. And at that point, I just I didn't know anything about it. I think a lot of people think that winemaking is, you know, handed down or it's a family thing. Yeah. I just, I mean, I pursued it right away. You were like, aha, this is me. Um, Yeah, yeah, because wine is an agricultural product, and, you know, you have to know the ins and outs of agriculture in order to make it. Um, what, why did you choose Pinot Noir to start? Well, it's funny. I didn't actually choose that to start. I was making wine in the Napa Valley, so I was really more focused on Cabernet and, to some extent, Syrah. 
because Syrah was really becoming popular around that time. So I was focusing more on the bigger reds. But then I started sort of moving North Valley as I was finding positions. Mm -hmm. And one of my positions was outside of the Napa Valley in the Nice Valley at Peter Michael Winery, Mm -hmm. um, which had a really great focus on Cab and Pinot. And then from there, I just moved into Sonoma County. And my first real solid assistant winemaker position was at La Crema. And that was 2001. And that was a 10-year tenure. So, you know, that's where I really, I think, cut my teeth, for lack of a better term, on Pinot Noir production. Well, let me ask you this, Melissa, because you've mentioned Sonoma County and Napa separately a couple of times. Please mm-hmm. educate me, Google Maps. Uh, is Sonoma County not part? I thought it was part of Napa Valley. Or is it no, it's just a separate little northern area just north of that? It actually is a separate region. If you're crossing the Golden Gate Bridge in mm-hmm. San Francisco, if you jog to the right and go north, um, you'll hit the Napa Valley. Mm -hmm. But there is a little mountain range between the Napa Valley and Sonoma County, and that's extremely distinctive because that means that the fog Ah. that comes off of the Pacific Ocean is somewhat stopped by that mountain range, right? So that's why Sonoma County is known for more Pinot Noir and certainly a maritime style of Chardonnay, a wine that's a little bit more crisp and salivacious, Mm. whereas in the Napa Valley, it's those bigger reds, the Cab, the Merlot, Chardonnay for sure, because we all make Chardonnay, Um, but it's a a Chardonnay that has a little bit more volume to Mm -hmm. it. It's a warmer climate Chardonnay. I want to thank you, first of all, for teaching me a new word, salivacious. I will be using that word. I think it's fantastic. (laughs) Throwing that around like laundry, sure. You've been in California for quite a while. What do you think is so special about California wines? I just think that there are many eclectic regions in the whole state of California, you have these coastal regions that produce, you know, wines with a lot of vivid acidity and, and bright fruit um, all along the coast, right? You've got the Anderson Valley. You've got this north coast area. You have the central coast. If you think of Monterey and Santa Barbara, just really stunning areas. But then you have sort of the interior as well. And like I said, those are warmer areas. So that starts with the Napa Valley. But then even further east, you have the Sierra Foothills. That's a stunning area. Mm -hmm. In fact, there's just some amazing Zinfandels that come from that area. So it's all about terroir and and climate and weather and heat and just everything that goes into your environment that's going to allow you to farm grapes well and then make distinctive wines based on where that fruit's grown. Right. Well, what that yeah. dovetails beautifully, and thank you for that, into it says here that you really have challenged yourself to balance the best fruits of Sonoma and Monterey and Santa Barbara counties into wines sort of of harmony there. What's the challenge there with these different viticultures and how you do that? I think it's just understanding each of the regions, and I really learned that when I was making Naomi because Naomi is a brand that is tri-county, so the fruit is only sourced from Sonoma County, Monterey, and Santa Barbara. Mm -hmm. And I think just understanding the regions is really important to start with, the differences in soils and, you know, when bud break begins, because it's never at the same time, and then what harvest brings, because some of those sites are warmer and some are cooler. So you can have one variety, and depending on where... The fruit is mm-hmm. grown, 
the descriptors for those wines really come from the site. It does. It comes from the vineyard. It's amazing to me that you can take a wine like Miami. Miami's pretty consistent bottle to bottle, mm-hmm. vintage mm-hmm. to vintage. Yeah. Like that speaks yeah. of true winemaking prowess to be able to take. Because right now, climate change is really just throwing everybody for a loop. Has it affected California winemaking at all? I think in a sense, if we can term fires... <laughs> You know, the urban fires that we've been incurring since 2017 as part of climate change. That's been a little bit challenging. Um, We've faced those years of drought. Yeah, those issues have definitely presented themselves, and they give us a little bit of a challenge during harvest always. I Um, bet. Sure, I'm sure you guys have had a rough run of it. Yeah. Really, you know, we always talk about Mother Nature and, and the hand that is dealt to us, and the fires just, you know, take it to a whole other level. Usually... We're um, stressing a little bit more about intense heat or rain or, you know, any other weather event during harvest. But, um, but yeah, the fires have been a little bit more challenging. Though we've sure. still been able to make some, some pretty good wine. So. Did you all lose a lot of acreage then, Melissa? No, not so much that. Not even so much. Yeah. Um, as far as vineyard acres, no, not that. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, in the neighboring hills, because we're surrounded by those hills, right? Right. Um, that's part of the topography here. And it's... It, you know, like I was talking about with the fog influence, it benefits this area a lot because there's inlets that allow the fog and then there are ranges that don't allow that in. So we love those mountain ranges, but they're the first to catch fire, right? Yeah. If the conditions are such that that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, in 2020, we had a lot of lightning strikes in August. So Never good. A bit yeah. of summer. So I wanted to touch on the fact that you're a woman winemaker. As much as I hate to point out a woman winemaker, we should all just be winemakers, yes. you know. But let's but, celebrate you. But I do want to celebrate the fact that, you know, we're ladies and we do often have a tougher time of things. And I was wondering, since winemaking is such a notorious boys club, if you've encountered any, we'll just call it troubles, you know, <laughs> on the on your way through the industry. Yeah, not here, Um in the state of California. I did do a harvest overseas one time and I did incur one comment from a winemaker there that I love to repeat because it's quite original. (laughs) And this was actually right when I graduated from UC Davis. So it was my first harvest overseas. And one day he said to me, you know, it's so great to be a winemaker. It's a lot better than being a woman. Oh, nice guy. So you married him, and now you guys have some kids together. I'm just kidding. Wow, wow. That's, uh, could we ask? I don't. We're not going to ask his name unless you want to give it. But um, what, what, uh, what country was that? That was in Australia. Oh, uh, that was not going to be my guess. Well, me neither. When and you said I, overseas, I thought Europe for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I think even where I had worked out of the 70 cellar workers, because I was working in the cellar, only three of us were women. So, yeah, I think that that's really the only time I was quite disarmed by that comment and learned years later he had been fired. So, you know, karma does sort of... Good. Karma, that makes me feel a lot side. better. The chutzpah. The yeah. chutzpah it took to say that. I mean, yeah. who who do you think People you are? are thinking, honestly. Seriously. Yeah. Um, yeah, but definitely not here in California. I mean... When I first got into this industry, I didn't even realize that it may be more male-dominated, but I was just talking to my senior winemaker today, Lisa Evich, and we were like, we just don't see it because I think we hang around with so many female winemakers, right? Yeah, right. The percentage of that, it doesn't seem low now, certainly, you know, maybe 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. I mean, there were some definite trailblazers, some of whom have come through CME, like Selma Long and 
Yeah, yeah, Marianne Graff. And um, so there's quite a history here at CME Winery with female ownership starting from the very, very beginning. Yeah, Mm -hmm. let's talk a little bit about Isabel. Can you tell us the Mm -hmm. story of CME Winery and Isabel and how that all went down and what she started in terms of females in wine? Great question, Jamie, but we have to take a break real quick or they're going to get mad at us. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Okay. All right, Melissa, tell us about Isabel and what she had to do with women in semi wines. Yeah, it's a pretty neat history for sure. Um, so the Simi story starts with two brothers, Giuseppe and Pietro Simi, and they left Tuscany in the mid-1800s to find gold in California, essentially, and instead they found grapes. And they love for grape growing and winemaking. And they founded the winery in 1876 in San Francisco, in that North Beach area, that Italian area. And the name of it was first uh, Montepulciano, and then they later named it after their family, Simi. They moved the winery to Healdsburg in 1890 and built these stone cellars where we still make the wine today. But these brothers both died of the flu, they say, in 1904. And so Giuseppe's daughter, Isabel, took over the winery at the age of 18. In 1904. Unbelievable. 1904. Right. So, like, you talk about female winemakers today. Can you imagine what that was like in 1904? This sort of sassy, sassy and tenacious girl mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, taking over and she had to get the winery through some like she got the winery through prohibition yeah. um, and that was a 13-year saga mm-hmm. she had to sell a bunch of vineyard holdings and you know I think she even did like gave piano lessons to make money like oh, wow. she just got the winery through that oh she found a few little loopholes to continue to make wine did she make winery. wine for churches I was gonna say because <laughs> we've heard <laughs> of heard that, that loophole <laughs> uh, yeah. I think there was I know those loopholes I think there was that but I think she also like every cellar worker could make a certain volume or something like that so she had everyone make a little wine but in the <laughs> end she had nearly 500,000 gallons of wine in cask once Prohibition ended. Yeah, she did. She's like, I'm ready. (laughs) Yes, it's so ready that she put a tasting room, one of the first tasting rooms outside on Healdsburg Avenue. She took an old redwood tank, put it on its side. The pictures are awesome of this, this old redwood tank, and then invited people in to the cellar door Mm -hmm. and poured the wine for them. So you're right. She was ready. She's one of those people in history that I really wish I could go back and hang out with. Yeah, or read a book Mm -hmm. about. Is there a book about her? I don't know if there's a book about her. There should be. Okay. For sure. Jamie, you need to move out. I'm going to hop on that, Chiquitas. I'm going to actually be out there next month. You know what I'll bring? I'll bring a powder Do some research and and then write a book. Okay. And then you can stop doing production for us. How's that sound? (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Sure. Okay, great. Yeah. I would like for you to tell me about something that when I was reading your bio, I became quite jealous of because it's a dream vehicle for me. I need you to tell me about your 1994 yeah. red Ford <laughs> F-150 because that sounds awesome. My truck. I know. I still have it. It's parked out in front of my house right now. It's, there's about 375,000 miles on this thing. I, wow. Yeah, I'm an original owner. Um, bought it right there in 94 and... It was my only vehicle for a very long time. I commuted in that vehicle from Napa to Davis when I went to UC Davis. Wow. And, um, used it a lot, just going vineyard to vineyard. 
still drive it a fair share. I just have a daughter now. So I thought <laughs> she was a baby. It seemed a little irresponsible to yeah. uh, <laughs> no have her in the front yeah. seat. You know what yeah. I mean? Did you like, name it? I'm sure it's got a name. Yeah. It doesn't have a name. What? No, it doesn't. I'm shocked. No, I know. (laughs) I should. I could just call it Red, I guess, because, but I do get asked about it a lot. Do you still have that? Or like, I'll have growers um, ask me if I want to sell it. And you're like, uh, no, no, this is my baby. (laughs) Well, and that, because here you are, you're a female winemaker, you're driving around in your truck from vineyard to vineyard, which I think is awesome. And really, you're sort of following in the footsteps of Isabel because Simi has only had female winemakers or has had female winemakers ever since she took over, right? There have been, well, there's always been female winemakers here. There okay. have been some amazing male winemakers, though, who have helped put Simi on the map in the latter days, too, like Nick Goldschmidt, Steve Reeder. But currently, we are, I have to say, 100% female winemaking team. And, Boom. you know, it just so happens to be that way. We've definitely done the work between myself and Lisa Evich. We have about 50 years of winemaking experience. Actually, same with our enologist, Eileen. We've all worked in the cellars and the vineyards, and we've done the work. And I like to say we're all pretty unfreak-outable as well. I think we all... We really collaborate well. We work well during stressful vintages because I think we're just all very even keel, which I appreciate. I like working with that vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Especially during the harvest. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Working for a a person with a high temper would be terrifying at that time. Right. Well, I want to ask you one more thing before we go. So we have two bottles of Simi in front of us. We have your Cabernet, the Alexander Valley Cabernet, and we have the Sonoma County Chardonnay. Um, what can you tell us about these wines? We're going to taste them once we get off the phone with you. So I just wanted you to give us a little something to look forward to. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Simi style is really the reflection of Sonoma County, right? Like we talked about the terroir. It's important for me to honor that terroir, the soils and the topography to make classic wines and wines that are really expressive of this region. Can't underestimate the influence of being close to the ocean because Mm. it has this really great cooling influence as the grapes are ripening. Though a lot of this fruit comes from the Alexander Valley, so that's a nice warmer area too. So we benefit from some real kind of warm, rich flavors. The Chardonnay, I think that you will find a little bit of apple and pear And then I think it has nice kind of creme brulee elements and clove that come from the barrel fermentation. Yeah. A little bit of butterscotch and texture. We can't forget that wine is not just aroma and flavor, but it's texture as well. And I think this Sonoma County Chardonnay has the acidity that comes from fruit that is grown by the ocean, but it has a nice velvety texture as well. Yeah. Well, I'm really like that. thirsty for that now. All right, well, let's <laughs> hop on over to the Cab. The Cabernet. So it's predominantly, again, from the Alexander Valley, a little bit from Dry Creek and the Russian River. This has some red blenders in it, which sort of plump it up, which hmm. um, means it has a little bit of Merlot and Cabernet Franc. We can get some dried herb from that. Petite Verdot, lots of color, Malbec texture, and the Petite Syrah power, too. So it's dark bramble, dried blueberry, like a real subtle violet, Mm. and maybe even sort of a black pepper as well. It's got some exotic spices, broad mouthfeel, grippy tannins, 
Um, these wines are both meant to drink young and are super food friendly as well. Great. So, of the wines that you make, this is just your personal preference. What is your favorite wine that you all make? For me, I still lean towards Pinot Noir, so it would be um, probably the Russian River Valley Pinot Noir, where I have spent most of my time making wine. The neat thing about Simi as it is, it's evolved is that it's almost like two houses under one roof, though, right? Oh. We make the two Bordeaux varietals, Cabernet and Sauvignon Blanc, but then we make the Burgundian varietals as well, Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, different techniques for all of those wines. But I think for me, especially because I spend a lot of time in the vineyards, I love just, you know, trudging through the Russian River Valley vineyards with that rich gold ridge soil. Mm -hmm. um, And then just a foggy mornings that sort of the fog burns away and it becomes really warm. It's just a real magical place. And I think those wines are pretty magical from that that area. God, I want to go there right now. That sounded, Melissa. (laughs) You just like it described Uh, a dream for me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we we thank you so much for your time. We know you're busy, so we won't keep you any longer. I could pick your brain all day um, because I'm like, well, what's the difference in winemaking (laughs) techniques between Burgundian and and the Bordeaux? But we're going to let you go for now. Thank you so much. Much Melissa Stackhouse, Simi Director of Winemaking. Cheers. Thanks for having me, guys. See ya. Cheers. Cheers. She was so nice and knowledgeable. Yeah, and I love that. You know, it just organically. We're into. We're at a state mm-hmm. within our culture that three women can be in positions of power at a winery. Yeah. Like that's not something that could happen 30, 40 years right. ago. So it's, it's progress. Chicks, man. Gotta love them. We're going to taste the Simi Chardonnay and the Simi Cabernet Sauvignon after this break. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Wine and Dandy Podcast. Instagram, Wine and Dandy Podcast. And Twitter, Wine and Dandy Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And we would love for you to like and follow the podcast. Share with your friends. Yes, definitely follow it. All right. So we're going to do the tasting we promised Melissa we would do. We have two of her wines. They graciously sent us a couple of wines. This is my favorite kind of guest, by the way, (laughs) the ones who send wine. We have the Simi Sonoma County Chardonnay, and we have the Simi Alexander Valley Cabernet Sauvignon, which we just learned that Sonoma and Alexander Valley are two separate regions. Yes, Mm-hmm. And the Alexander Valley is a little bit warmer mm-hmm. than the Sonoma County wines. So you always want to taste your wines white before red, just a okay. note. So let's taste this Chardonnay. I am a little nervous because uh, I hope it's not oaked because I really want to like it and I'm not an oaked person. It smells great. Oh, it smells amazing. Doesn't it? <laughs> I cheated and sniffed and then was, oh, um, yeah. verbally had my hands slapped. My uh, mouth but- is salivacious Ooh, I have my I'm, I'm having so a salivacious moment right away yes. so I don't forget it right <laughs> you, you're gonna have to use it one more time thank you Melissa this wine is very salivacious there we go oh my goodness this smells like heaven mm-hmm. mm. Mm. I like it it has a bit of a zing on the back end it's definitely got good acid mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so sh- do you taste what she said she said we would taste apple pear creme brulee and butterscotch I get the butterscotch in the yeah, back end. I do too, yeah. I definitely, the cooling influence from the sea, she mm-hmm. said. I mean, there is something cooling about the wine. Maybe it's just because it's kind of chilled from the fridge. But I took this out of the fridge a good half hour ago. I was going to say, it's not too cold. And this is just a very pleasant, full-bodied, I would say, Chardonnay. You get a lot it's of It's definitely full-bodied, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I think it's good. Yeah, I think it is too. And it's always a compliment when we don't pour your wine out. And I mean, we have a spit cup, which we should be using if we're ladies, but well, sometimes we don't. Today we're broads. Today we're broads. But she did mention texture. Yeah. And we spoke to, um, I forget the man's name, and he's back in one of our podcasts in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he gave us that amazing analogy with texture. And I definitely think it works well here. He compares texture to milk. We have whole milk yes. versus skim milk. Yes. And this is a more heavily whole milk style. It doesn't taste like milk. Don't put that in your brain at all. But it has like a much thicker feel. It's almost It's got more viscosity to it. Yeah, it does. This is, um, I typically don't drink a lot of Chardonnay. I prefer white wine, but, you know, I'm a Sauvignon Blanc Pinot um, I like Grigio Chardonnay. Person. But, and I don't mind Chardonnay. And goodness knows if I'm at my mother's. We haven't debauched Chardonnay. <laughs> However, <laughs> nothing wrong um, with it. <laughs> this is very, very good. Yeah. I I really like this. The price for this wine that I'm seeing at Total Wine, and this is a nineteen a nineteen nineteen. It's not that old. It's a twenty nineteen <laughs> Chardonnay Simi is only thirteen dollars. Ding dang dong! That is terrific. Yeah, so I'll this, be picking some of this up. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, let's move on. And we'll do the Alexander Valley Cabernet Sauvignon. Now, as a rule, we all know cabs are not my favoritos, but I'm going to go into this with an open mind. I do like that she said black pepper instead of green pepper or bell pepper because I know you hate that. It's just my least favorite part. The vegetal. I black d- pepper, not so bad. No, I like black pepper. Let's see. This is a 2018 Alexander Valley Cabernet Sauvignon. This. Wine.com has it for $39.99, so savor it, Jamie. We're taking a leap in prices here with the Simi Winery wine. It would have been a much longer podcast had I asked her the technique, but I'm wondering if there's something about the idea that it took so long. It's been aged for an extra amount of time. Now, one of them was a Stelvin enclosure, right? Yes, one of them was a screw top, and this one was cork. Right. So the Chardonnay was Stelvin Enclosure, screw top, and uh, the red was cork. Interesting. All right. Let's give this a whiffy whiff. Mm. Mm. You know what's funny? It smells like Pinot Noir to me. Not to me. It smells like a cab. It was ah. 100% cab to me. It's got that... Um, you have a better nose for red, so I'm going to default to you. Well, like she said, there's that hint of violet. I 100% get that. Mm. Mm. And she said there are dry herb and blueberry... Yeah, that's from the Cabernet Franc, which I've yeah. learned to love. Okay. But it, it definitely has that... Cabernets always smell a little bit smoky to me, mm-hmm. but that violet mixed with like... What is that one? It always gets me. I just It's one the note. quintessential note that I know is Cabernet. Mm-hmm. Like a, if it's a pure yeah. Cabernet, I dare say I'd be able to pick it out of a lineup. We should do that. We should. We should do it like a blind taste test. I do get the blueberry on the nose. I do not. Let's give it a taste. Mm. For people who like Cab I like Sauvignon. This. I like this. I think this would be a big hit. Uh, I don't drink red as often as I drink white, especially recently. It is a bit tannic for me, but I like it. But she I said love it's good for flavor. food. She wants it. She said exactly. she mentioned that, and this is a type Excellent of wine. Like, feel how much your mouth is salivating because mm-hmm. there's a grippy tannin. Yep, it's going to make anything you eat taste better because saliva helps your food taste better. Mm-hmm. I think this is delicious. I would just like to give you a round of applause, open-minded Sarah. She's right. I do get the black pepper there. I do. I feel a little bit peppery. And I do get the blueberry now that I've drank it. Yeah. This is nice. This is Melissa, a very Melissa, nice you one. did a great job. I don't know if she'll ever listen to this. Maybe she will. Well, when I see her next month. Oh, yes. Mention that I drank it. At her it. home. I'm kidding. <laughs> at the winery. I will tell her that she has won you over with the, the Simi Valley Cab Sauvignon. Yeah. Apparently, I have very expensive taste. 
That must be it. The $40 bottle of wine. She's like, well, now I like it. Yeah, you drop 40 50 bucks. I perhaps may like it. It's not always the case, though. I've tasted some really expensive cabs, and I'm like, yuck. Yeah. But this is delicious. I want to keep talking about women and wine. Uh, chicks forever. Yeah, right. So California wine, women and wine, there's a lot more to say. And in fact, I have three more bottles that Alyssa, the PR person I went through, yeah, we're professional. Um <laughs> We have three more bottles of wine to taste, so we're going to have our first two-part episode. (gasps) You are speaking my love language. More wine and more women and wine. Let's do it. Come on back for the next episode because we're going to continue talking about women in California wine, and we're going to taste some wines you may be familiar with. One's called The Prisoner. Mmm, dark. One's called The Blindfold. Also, okay, well, now we're getting a little kinky. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I was thinking. And I'll save the third one as a surprise. Oh, I can hardly wait. So we'll see you soon. Cheers. Cheers. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh.